0: We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health
1: Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey,
0: Paula. And hello, everybody.
1: And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. Today, we process through some of the challenges that come along with maintaining a healthy lifestyle in a society where that is still not the norm. This naturally looped us into a deeper conversation on the nuanced aspects of practicing boundaries without getting too rigid. We explored some of the underlying causes of people-pleasing compulsions and how we can begin to challenge this tendency and why it's so important if we
0: hope to move away from having fear-based, codependent relationships with each other. Lastly, we talked about why it's so important for us to challenge our fear of discomfort so that we can experience true joy and love in this lifetime. So, taking a deep breath with us. And press play.
1: Hello, Pretty Mental family. Welcome back to another episode with the Pretty Mental sisters, me and Paula. <laughs>
0: Here we are once again. Once again. And yet another week in 2020 has passed. Quarantine season. This week has been going by kind of slow. Have
1: this you is felt crazy. That? Me and Paula have been so tired and our friend Asia actually texted us about, what did she call it? She called it fatigue quarantine or fatigue or caution something all it's all, literally just caution <laughs> basically about how our brains are working overtime right now to figure out how to keep us safe and how to keep everyone around us safe so it's taking a toll on a lot of people's bodies and it's i believe it because i am so tired <laughs> and not only me, but I've seen a few of my friends post on their stories that they're tired, too. Like, out of nowhere, they could just feel like they, feel like they could just take a nap. And if I was a napper, I would do it. But I don't know how to nap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All we can do is keep trying to have as many healthy habits and as much grace with ourselves as possible as we continue to move through this as a collective.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me because it just proves how our brains are always doing things that we know nothing about. Like, what? You're working overtime? I didn't know. I thought you were chilling. You're not, like, you know, you're at home working, but you're not driving. You're not going out as much. Yeah. You, you as in my brain. Yeah. Um. So it's so interesting. Yeah. But it just makes me think even more how we really have to pay attention to... How, how we take care of ourselves, because our
0: brain needs it. Our brain really needs it, dude. Especially because of the society that we live in, wellness almost in wellness can sometimes feel like a full time job. Just, it really is. It is. It's a just lifestyle because it's kind of an act of of resistance. Yeah. To everything that's going on around us, and it is, and
1: not everyone is going through that same path. So it really does feel like a resistance. I even, you know, you know, my whole journey with not really drinking like that and speak more to it. Well, I didn't really drink like that (laughs) (laughs) Um, growing up and now really I had the last drink I had was in January. She just prefers the sober state. I do. And we can have another episode probably strictly on that. I'm sure that would be because there's a whole things to say about that. But it was very weird for people and it's still very weird for people too. Not a lot of people can accept that what you don't drink because it's part of that wellness lifestyle. So it's kind of like a rebellion to social norms. Mm -hmm. It is a full-time job. It's exhausting having to explain why you take care of yourself so much.
0: Yeah. I know you've always kind of felt like pressure to have to explain yourself with that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because I I don't know why, but from a really young age, I was just very... Except for the time that I was addicted to candy. (laughs) I I was always just very... But I was still eating broccoli. I had like Twizzlers with a side of broccoli. Yeah. I was always very aware of how food how substances
0: how situations things made my body feel well your senses are like (laughs) on steroids literally the other day I had onions cut up in the kitchen and Valentina was like in her room and she's like my eyes are watering (laughs) I'm like oh my god yeah I was like oh my god what is happening it's like am I sick why are my eyes drying out I haven't experienced this you're literally when it comes to your senses a highly sensitive person
1: I am and it's funny because I actually have that book a highly sensitive person because I was in high school and I remember being like why I googled why am I so sensitive to everything like I hear everything I feel everything I see everything I smell everything it's it's absurd and that's actually a book so but so so you know, circling back around, I'm very aware of how my body feels with food, with
0: exercise, with people I'm around. Valentina can literally just smell something I cooked and she can tell me almost every ingredient that I put in there, guys. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: I feel like I should um, monetize I've been trying to get you to. My nose. To. <laughs> so yeah, and then a lot of people don't, they're not like that. And I always say, I feel everything now. You guys will feel everything in like 30 years, right? But because I feel everything now... It's, it does exclude me from a lot of social environments, especially here in America where everything is around alcohol, eating junk and eating snacking and whatever is a form of connection with people and like not the good stuff. You're not going to like come over and let's have some like hummus and broccoli.
0: Well, some groups of people are changing. Some groups are. Yeah. I, it really matters who you surround yourself with. I actually had a friend reach out to me literally yesterday asking me like if i had any advice for not drinking <laughs> she was like are you still not drinking like at all and i'm like oh no 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 like i'm now i'm like casually drinking every now and then but i will say that i was hanging out with some friends before that it was more of a habit for them to drink so then when i had like one drink it quickly easily became a habit just because of who you hang out with and now that I'm with Valentina most of the time I don't even think about it like you forget it really does matter who you spend your time with it so does. that's what I said I'm like just I mean just pay attention to who you're spending your time with and if it's a habit for those people to drink then maybe don't get started because then it can easily kind of turn into the routine that every time you get together you're drinking that much
1: Yeah, but it's hard to find, to be honest, it really is hard to find people like that. I remember being in high school at parties and calling my dad and crying because I would need him to come pick me up or I would get home and beg my mom to be homeschooled because I just didn't, I could not relate to anyone around me. Everyone had fun by doing, by drinking, by just doing things that I I couldn't relate to because I was so hyper aware of how all of these things affected me. So it's really, it's not that easy unless you go somewhere like Bali or you have to like actively seek people out. I would say, as I've gotten older, people have gotten a little more health conscious. So some people understand, but I would say it's still very much the norm to indulge in substances and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to be honest, like, I don't care that people. What do you, you know, you're not as sensitive as me. And if you feel fine, keep doing it, whatever. Yeah. The What I care about is, and this is a whole like boundaries
0: conversation that we don't need to get into entirely, but. Well, we when, can get into it a little bit because it kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today.
1: Okay. When people can't hand, they, it's almost, sometimes I find myself being like a mirror to people. Like it makes them my certain habits of mine, like of my healthy habits in particular, makes them very uncomfortable. Like, why aren't you drinking? It's my birthday. Don't you love me? Why are you eating that? That is like, I've had people really pick me apart from my habits. Mm-hmm. And I took that for a really long time. And still, like, it can be very just, like, just let me be. Why are you, this has nothing to do with you. This is just what makes me feel good. But there are people like you and I, I have a few friends who they just could care less what I do. You know, they're, go, they're like, do what do what you got to do. Good. Good for you. In fact, they get curious and they want they want to then learn how to be healthier. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know what, why I started talking about that. <laughs> about the drinking. Oh, in the yeah, just the part that like sucks about it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it makes people uncomfortable. Well, because I think fundamentally, like at their core, everybody wants to be the best version of themselves yeah like every human does want that on some level so when you see somebody really taking care of themselves it shines a light on the parts of you that are not doing that like when someone's being really fit that you know it kind of now it stands out to you that like you've been sitting on the couch for three days straight
1: and that's why I that's why I said yeah I mean you're completely right that I feel like I have been a mirror to a lot of people because I have found in my experience that the same people who pick on me a week later will ask me how I do what
0: I do. Mm -hmm. Well, how have you handled that? The picking on me? Yeah, and just like continuing to go down your path and just letting people sit with, with that discomfort.
1: To be real, I feel like it has definitely pushed me to be a little bit more of an introvert because it's hard to continuously tell people the same thing over again like I just eat like this because it feels good explaining yourself is exhausting
0: well I think that's what we were talking about in the la- in the p- last like solo cast that we did together which is that the first boundary is a verbal one yeah and then if the person still doesn't get it and they don't get it you you get to the point where you just get tired of interacting with them like we were talking about this the other day that for me I could I could literally care less how other people live their lifestyle like unless it's impeding on me in some way that's hurtful it just doesn't even cross my mind to like to have an opinion on I mean they, that they can do what they want so if somebody tries to tell me how to live my life I'm I'm very I, it just doesn't even fit in my head That somebody would try to do that. Yeah. So when it comes to setting those limits, a lot of the ways in which we allow ourselves to judge other people's lives reflects the boundaries that we hold up. So here's what I mean by that. If we feel that we have a right to judge other people for how they live their life, then that's usually a sign that we also allow our lives to be dictated by the opinions of others. If, on the other hand, we respect people's choices for how they want to live their lives, then we're not really going to put up with people trying to tell us how to live our life either. That just wouldn't make sense. The ways in which we allow ourselves to treat others really does set the standard for what we believe is okay in terms of how others treat us.
1: No, I completely agree. I have found it that the people who are more prone to not just respecting my choices those people have shown the most insecurities
0: yeah so your first step then is to do that verbal limit and lately I've been thinking I almost like the word limit better than boundaries because for some when I hear boundaries I think some sometimes we've taken it to such an extreme just like we tend to do before we get to the middle ground with things that when I hear limit it's more like okay like how this is where I stop and this is where you begin boundaries I we've kind of exaggerated it a lot of times so much that people are going to like the extreme of I'm putting a whole wall up because you made me uncomfortable. But that's a whole another tangent. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So your first boundary or limit is just like explaining it to them, saying I don't want to. And if that person keeps pushing. Yeah. I mean, my my personal temperament is just like honestly, I wouldn't even want to be I around guess, somebody. <laughs> yeah. I get pissed off. And
1: honestly, I don't know. I guess now I'm now I'm discovering Quarantine has been really good yeah, because it gives you time to really think about these things. If not, you're kind of just like in back-to-back situations where you're being tested and you don't really even have time to gather your
0: thoughts. Yeah. So what has quarantine shown you about this thing? Quarantine has shown me that you have the right to walk away. That I
1: can set a very clear limit and not be afraid of what the aftermath is going to be because... I know for me, boundaries were hard to set in the past because, especially with friends, like yeah. I was always really friends good your tri- with like family. Trigger, But when it comes with friends, it's been really hard because I don't want, I'm I the guess opposite. It's, it's the fear of being judged.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is if, if I say like, no, I don't want to, I'm going to, I would think in the past, like, oh, they're just going to think I'm this like stiff person who like can't have fun and honestly you just have to get rid of that and what I've been learning is that it's okay however people are going to think about whatever people are going to think about you like that's fine just keep doing you you know like it I have had to learn to get comfortable with people potentially thinking whatever they want to think about me
0: yeah I'll say this a narcissist's worst nightmare is a person that doesn't care what you think of them. Mm-hmm. Because trying to prove who you are and justify yourself to other people, or even that being really important to you, is the easiest way to get manipulated. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, like, we we know my history growing up. But yeah. I
1: would get very easily manipulated because I was just all about, like, my heart was just so open I would just want the person to like I would just want to give 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 no and it's
0: okay and like love and love and love but we also realized that some of that was actually fear disguised as love which is actually another really important piece to all of this because the fear is like it's not just love 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 it's also why am I doing this is it because I'm afraid that people are gonna think I'm a bad person right that's been such a game changer for me such a game changer, learning of my actions are fear disguised as love.
1: It's like, no, am I actually giving this much love? Am I doing this because I don't want to lose them, or I am afraid of I'm trying them to, thinking yeah. I'm crazy or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's fear versus like no, I'm actually doing this because like
0: I love them, I, and I have a love for this friendship, this mm-hmm. relationship, yeah, I'm not so much attached to the outcome, yeah, so. I By the way, I ask myself that all the time now. I really? Mean, yeah, and I you guys listening,
1: I would try to do the same. It just really changes a lot of my decisions. That's amazing. Like before I'm about to do a lot of things that involve other people, I'm like, "Okay, am I doing this because I'm afraid that if I don't do it something's going to happen?"
0: Or right. Is, is it really love or is it fear, fear disguised as love? love? And that I think is super helpful for Well, I don't think, I know it's super helpful for helping to figure out the nuance of quote unquote" boundaries. Yeah. Because it's not a black and white thing. It's not just, it can't be, no, that makes me uncomfortable. Everybody get out of my way. It can't be, I don't want to, I don't know what mood I'm going to be in. So, Hara Rose was actually talking about this on her podcast that some people take this to such an extreme and I've witnessed it, that she'll be trying to like uh, schedule a podcast with somebody and they'll literally be like well let's just check in that day because I'm not sure what mood I'm gonna be in and I need to make sure that you know I'm I'm flowing and we know some people like this that <laughs> yeah we know some people like that a lot of them are artists a lot of them are artists and that's all great and good but but is it at some point then that boundary conversation it becomes narcissistic because at the end of the day there's a difference between being codependent and like my happiness depends on your happiness so I'm gonna do whatever you want no matter my needs and then we get to the other extreme which is like the narcissist extreme which is like my needs have to come before everybody's and so I'm gonna say no and everybody has to move around in my exact way the healthy balance has to be somewhere in the middle of that so it's not gonna be an all out yes or an all out no to things it's a little bit of a dance that we have to get a a sense for what that flavor is and 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 it's going to shift from one situation to the next so constantly asking yourself that question of am I doing this from a place of love because I truly genuinely believe it's going to lead to more expansion or am I like telling myself that it's love because I'm I'm afraid of what the consequence on the other side is so that's why for me I it's been really hard for people to manipulate me. And maybe this just comes with being a Leo. <laughs> and I'm not one to attribute a lot of things to my zodiac sign, but I have noticed. What? Well, on the podcast at least. Paul, okay. Y'all
1: don't believe any of that bullshit. Paula is a tried and true Leo. <laughs>
0: that that's funny. You tried. Continue. I did. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, you know, I always say like that stuff can be everything or it could be nothing. So I can also kind of like walk the middle ground with it. But I have seen this pattern in Leo's that they just don't really care what your opinion is. Right. I, I don't. Like if somebody, if I have to say no, and this is something I tell my clients that what somebody else thinks about you, they have a right to. That's the territory of their mind. It's none of my business what's going on in there for me. For me... It's almost a, for, I almost take it as a sign of respect to just listen to what you tell me because that means that I believe that you have the agency to bring up things that bother you. And I believe that you have the agency to tell me something that you don't like. And I believe that you have the agency to say no when you don't want to. And I hope to elevate everybody around me to that level. So I'm not gonna spend time in my head imagining what somebody may or may not be thinking about me And if they want to think something judgmental, I guess, of me, then they have a right to that. We all have like 80,000 thoughts a day at least. Half the time, people don't even know what they're thinking. So the moment that we're we're able to allow ourselves to kind of sit with that and accept that it's not our responsibility to mold everybody's impression of us, which is actually controlling at its core, if we think about it. And that's why people it creates anxiety. I it's just never made sense to me. I'm like, how could we think that we could control what's going on in somebody else's mind? You know where I can trace mine,
1: my whole people pleasing, my whole people pleasing thing, is the my earliest memory is me being a little girl and being told that I'm a, a mean little girl mm-hmm. if I don't continue to play with someone who was hurting me, mm-hmm. or if I don't go back to the house of a family that maybe wasn't like the healthiest family to be in
0: it's temperaments
1: so yeah it is temperaments
0: because people would have told me that i would be like fine let them think i'm mean yeah it's just temperaments
1: and whereas me i would be like oh my god no i don't want to i don't want to be mean i don't want to be a mean little girl i don't want to do that to them they deserve love i don't want to do that and it, that brings in an added layer of guilt, which I think is huge when it comes to people-pleasing. Is I'm not a therapist, but I believe that people who are people-pleasers also are like that because they have an added layer of guilt to them. Mm-hmm. But no, if I don't do that, they're going to... I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I work with clients on this, I literally... I one, Something that I've actually found myself talking about this has been coming up a lot lately, this whole people pleasing and guilt conversation. But I found myself saying that like, you have to build up your immunity to guilt. <laughs> Some people just don't have a threshold for that, that emotion in their body. Because I can feel a sense of guilt in my body and I can allow it to be there. I don't have to get rid of it right away. I don't need to be sure that somebody thinks of me perfectly so that that feeling can go away immediately. Like, some people learned to have a knee-jerk reaction to the appearance of guilt in their emotional system. Whereas, like, when it pops up for me, I kind of look at it. I decide, like, do I want to do something with it? Do I not? But I'm not going to... It's the knee-jerk reaction to that guilt.
1: I think that's where that is this love or is this fear disguised as love question really comes in. Because when I think of any friends of mine who may lean towards that people-pleasing side and compromise themselves the most... One of the phrases that comes out of their mouths the most is, But I feel guilty. I'll feel guilty. I feel guilty. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Well,
0: is that love or are you just afraid of? Mm -hmm. Like, what is so wrong with the feeling of guilt? And what do you feel guilty about? Feel guilty about upsetting somebody? I mean, this just kind of goes back to our childhood. When I said this in the most recent posts, I've said in a couple posts on our pretty mental Instagram that people-pleasing comes from well-meaning adults trying to keep kids in line. So, and because you depend on adults for your survival, then it almost it becomes a survival strategy to make sure that nobody's ever upset with you. And that actually works really well when you're a child, but if you're going to be an adult and have functioning relationships and not run yourself into the ground trying to please everybody and then feel resentful towards them, then you, that's something that we have to unlearn is my survival doesn't depend on your opinion of me. I
1: would say that the uh, uh, argument to that would be, like, I still want to be a good person. So it's like your opinion, people's opinion around you that they love you.
0: It is kind of important. So here's the thing. it It is important because you don't want to be on the other extreme either. That's why all of these conversations, it's it's nuanced. The truth is somewhere in the middle of all of it. At the end of the day, like every time we give you guys these conversations and these tools and these ways to think about things, allow yourself to it with some of the gray the gray area of it, because the way that we're describing it for our lives isn't going to fit perfectly for your life. Like everyone at the end of the day is the expert of their own life and you have to see where it fits. Right. If you don't want to walk around either, like I don't care what anyone thinks of me, I'm just going to like rummage through the town and put everything on fire. I mean, that's not even true either. That's that's another like act of rebellion rooted in fear. Like what do you have to prove? It's more so not just allowing yourself to let go. If you know you're tired or if you know you have to say no, just honoring that. And the moment that your mind starts trying to imagine what they may or may not be thinking. Like they're not going to invite me again. They're not
1: going to think I'm a good friend for showing up. Other people are going to show up and I'm
0: not. Yeah. You just have to sit with it. Like that may or may not happen. And just because I guess, again, back to the temperament thing, when I think if that even pops into my head, I'm like, well, then I don't want to be invited. (laughs) Yeah. If I can't say no to you one time. I mean, you know, or if I can't if I can't be myself and not have to perform for you. Yeah. So there's ultimately what it is. Yeah. Then I don't really I I don't know what to tell you. That's a big
1: I mean, that goes back to that quote before and I wrote. A little bit about that quote in my la- latest blog post. It's on the Pretty Mental website. If you guys want to check it out about how before you diagnose yourself as depressed, make sure you're not hanging out with a bunch of assholes. It also has a lot to do with the group that you're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. A lot. Because mm-hmm. there's people who are going to, people who are secure in their own right. And like they don't give an F what you do. Mm-hmm. They just love you for you. Mm-hmm.
0: And come when you can, don't when you can Yeah. However, if you have a really low threshold for guilt in your life and your emotional system, ch- chances are you're going to end up hanging out with people that will use guilt as a way to motivate you because that's just the way that life works. Yeah. Whatever we haven't healed, life really mirrors it back to us and, until you say, like, oh, wait, why am I putting up with this? And during my, my birthday episode, remember, I said that for the first
1: time, I felt I, like, really loved this birthday because I have more self-love than I've ever had and in that at the same time, I have been attracting, like, amazing people mm-hmm. who understand
0: no's and autonomy. I mean, here's another thing, too. It's, uh, if you want to, that I read recently, too, was if you want to really learn about somebody, pay attention to how they respond to the word no. yeah. Like, that can tell you a ton about a person. So, you know, there's times when, when Valentina, when you say no to me, I'm usually pretty comfortable with it. Like, if you really, and you at this point do it for me too. Yeah. And then we find a, a third option where we can find another solution.
1: You know what this actually is bringing up for me? That historically I've stayed in relationships way past the time that I should have mm-hmm. because and I genuinely did love like it wasn't fear mm-hmm. I would just love until it was like very clear that like I needed to dip out mm-hmm. and you're completely opposite yeah from that mm-hmm. where you've actually had to learn to like be a little more loose mm-hmm. and like
0: open your heart up a little more mm-hmm yeah so I, that's always a struggle it, that goes back to like the anxious avoidant attachment style that i've been healing from there's always a, it's a desire to like to stay in love and to jump ship at the same time and i wonder if that i mean not
1: a, it really sounds like it's tied with that like people pleasing maybe a little bit what mine or yours i mean just i feel like those are parallel to everything that we're talking about right now of course you mean like staying in a relationship? I mean. Whether that's a friendship, if it's like a romantic partnership, whatever. If it's you putting up with like family members that just are like really
0: shitty. Look, unless you are in like an overtly abusive relationship that has just gotten to that point, I will say that the truth in the way in which we all relate to each other the closest that we can get to a point of peace and a point of balance is the way that we relate to each other as humans is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like it can't just all be this person or all that person. It's just not possible. There's usually a dance that we're doing.
1: Yeah, I think they both, whether it's the relationship thing or if it's the people pleasing thing to me, like where they can kind of meet in that middle of that like Venn diagram image is that you have to be conscious enough to place yourself first and respecting your own needs and walking away when you need to, whether if it's an entire relationship or it's just a single situation. You have to be okay with walking away and being completely fine with the other person's reaction versus Cause staying. Because they have a right to it. Because they have a right to it versus staying and then trying to control their reaction so that the peace is kept and so that everyone is happy and so that
0: everything will be okay. Right. And so that even if the relationship ends, they they still you can have the satisfaction of feeling that they still think you're a good person. Right. It's somewhere in the middle because we're social beings. So I think it's keeping that awareness while at the same time incorporating kindness. Yeah. Into this mix
1: and allowing other people to have whatever reaction they're going to have and knowing that you just you got to move on regardless of uh, whatever that reaction is. If anything, it'll just show shine a light on really who that person is as well. Mm -hmm. Someone who can handle boundaries and someone who can't Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Either way, you're staying true to yourself and you're respecting yourself, which that's been, I can say on my journey, like such a real thing. Learning how to really, really respect myself And love myself first before putting everyone in front of me and
0: loving everyone before me. It's such a dance, man. It's such a dance. Yeah, my journey has just been to like not be as defensive. Because when I was younger, I was definitely, my strategy was just defensive, as we've said. Granted, you know, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about relationships. And it really is because it's the biggest issue, facing humanity, how we relate to each other. It really is. We are all here on a healing, on a journey of healing relating. When we can figure that thing out, that is where health health is on the other end of that. Like we are tribal herd animals. We belong in groups. We need each other. And at the same time, it has been historically such a struggle for us to coexist. Like I definitely have my moments where I'm like, oh my god, I just want to disappear into the woods by myself, so I don't have to like communicate or figure out a mid a midpoint of balance with anyone. And then the moment that I think that there's the other side of me that's like, no, that's extremely lonely. Like we have to figure this out. So I personally believe that that's the biggest mission that we're here on this earth for as humans, is to figure out that balance of how can I love you and love myself at the same time and it's a dance and it's not rigid and it is I would venture to say the single most important contributing factor to our mental health is our relationships relationships yeah but a huge part of
1: that is your relation with yourself and unless you have like the extreme narcissistic tendencies How you treat yourself and how you respect yourself and the level of confidence that you have within yourself has everything to do with how you treat other people. Everything. Because if you're insecure, you're going to pick other people apart in the areas that you're insecure
0: about. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in real time. Mm -hmm. That's true. And if you can't say with your own discomfort... Of, of uncertainty then you're going to try to control other people until they can give you certainty so how much can we just build our nervous system capacity to get to know ourselves to get to sit with ourselves to allow ourselves to sit with a little bit of discomfort like if I can sit with a little bit of discomfort around somebody saying no to me or somebody putting up their limit or whatever it is then I believe that somebody else has that ability too and that's what helps me kind of keep all of that in check. Like they have the ability to say no to you, and yeah. you can respect that. Well, no, they have the ability to sit in the discomfort of my no. Just like I oh, have you're the ability to saying th-
1: If it's possible for you, it's possible for other people. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't have to save them from that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it goes into
1: the whole codependent conversation. There's a lot of codependent relationships out there, because why? Paula, therapist. <laughs>
0: Why? I mean, it's, it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's like, I need you to be happy so that I can be okay. And we can, again, probably attribute that to our childhood. Where it's like, you needed the, the adult needed to be in a good mood. So you could get your meal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a direct... Yeah, so you could di- survive. It was a direct line to your safety. To yeah. your feeling of safety. That's real. As other people. You know, and then, and then some other ones figured out that they could somehow forge a way on their own and not depend on other people at all. And if you get too far on that extreme, and even if you experience neglect as a kid, then you can actually get to the other end of that, which is having a totally avoidant personality. And then you don't need anybody because that's what became your way of survival, is not allowing yourself to need anyone. I had a tendency to be more independent, and I've softened up. I will say, I read this thing by Alan Watts the other day that said, if we pay a price for every increase in consciousness because you can't experience more pleasure without more pain. Instead of saying consciousness, I would put like for the opening of our hearts because you can't experience more pleasure without more pain. And I would say that that's completely true. Totally. And that's why there's so many people that would just rather numb themselves. But then you end up getting depressed because you don't get to experience the joy of life either. So it's like we can't we don't just get to pick one or the other. If we're gonna be human on this earth and we wanna feel true joy and we really wanna feel love, then we have to on some level be willing and open to the possibility of experiencing pain and experiencing heartbreak, which it was literally my goal when I was like a teenager and in my early twenties to like not get my heart broken until <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. I know. It's so funny to see how other people's brains work. I know. It's it was like, like my goal. I don't even know what that is. It's crazy. The whole experience, unique experience. Yeah. It was like, I just have to make sure I jump shit before they do so that I could literally like win. <laughs> like, that's just not even a way of relating. I don't know when I started waking up from that, but thank goodness that I did. But, but now there's more opportunity for my heart to get broken. And I just have to like sit with that. I'm like, oh my God, this is the thing that humans experience. It's not fun. But also like it's not fun to walk around being guarded all the time. All of these experiences, I do believe that
1: we each person came here on whatever mission they were supposed to experience in this lifetime. It's a wild ride, but, you know, wherever you're at right now in your... Relating journey. Yeah, and, and in your life journey, it's exactly where you need to be. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're someone who's dedicated to healing and to opening up your consciousness and to opening up your heart. We just have to keep going. And keep learning about ourselves and keep opening ourselves up.
0: It's interesting how we, we keep become... sitting with
1: discomfort because I think that that's one of the I mean not, I think we've been saying that this whole time. that it's like one of the main ways to open yourself up to life is to really sitting with allowing yourself to sit in the discomfort because if you don't and we said this in I think it was our third episode with Adam Funderburk, You start controlling the situations around you and you start putting a box around you like a safety net around you and controlling like how much you can feel and then your life just gets so small before you know it you're afraid to do certain things you're afraid to get out there you're afraid to open up to people
0: you're and then it becomes a very lonely life you think you're keeping yourself safe but you're not you're just kind of allowing yourself to die before you die it was like that other thing that I read recently It said you don't want to die. You want to live. The reason you feel like you want to die is because you're not letting yourself live. So there's a part of your soul, there's a part of your spirit that is crying. So what does it mean to let ourselves live? And it would make sense that you don't want to experience pain because just like survival instincts, survival. it
1: could mean death. But we have to retrain ourselves that like, we're not going to die. Yeah. And maybe in your mind you may not consciously be thinking like, if I open up myself to this... Person, I'm gonna die. You're not gonna think that, but just understanding that, like our bodies do interpret it that way, even if we're brain, even if we don't think that that's what's happening.
0: I've even I've been able to help clients with nervous habits like motor function, like tics and things like that by just attending to the emotional need because a lot of those nervous habits or tics or compulsions, like we talked about in the OCD podcast, they come from like a place of fear, wanting to bring down the anxiety. So why we are anxious because we feel our survival it's fear it's all fear it's our survival being threatened in that moment so we can stop and say i'm uncomfortable but i'm still safe i'm uncomfortable and that's okay that's the other thing is like we've become so afraid of being uncomfortable
1: yeah because the world has given us so many things to make sure that we are comfortable so many things yeah
0: hello amazon
1: yeah really Mm -hmm.
0: It is exactly why sometimes we have a tendency to take the boundaries conversation too far to the point that I see so many posts, be people being proud, saying like, I'll cut you out of my life in a second without even thinking about it.
1: I see that stuff, too. And maybe when I was in like middle school, I'd be like, yeah, you know, Don't but now me. I'm like, man, I just hear ego blaring in neon lights yeah. whenever I see posts like that.
0: I mean, that was in like the- not thinking about you twice. I moved on with my life. You're nothing. I'm like, my God. Dude, I mean, that's how I used to be, though. Yeah. And now I'm not that person anymore. And it takes courage to stay in the softness. Yeah. It does take courage. Because that means that you're going to miss people. That means that you're just You're human. It means that you're human. Your way of feeling safe... Of, of not sitting with discomfort was just over pleasing people to avoid them being upset with you and my way of avoiding discomfort and feeling safe was just like not letting people get too close to me and now neither I mean it's interesting that for this podcast we kind of like embody the two different extremes of it because mm-hmm. our journey is all about coming to the middle I have to learn from you and you have to learn from me I've had to learn to just let go and not really care and allow people to
1: get angry and mad and rage and do whatever they need to do mm-hmm. and be okay that my actions may have elicited elicited that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with...
0: Putting down my guard putting, and not yeah. feeling like I need to jump ship. And potential heartbreak. And potential heartbreak. That's oh, like her, your God. worst fear. <laughs> you see it in my face yeah. every time I say it. Her
1: eyes get like deer in headlights. <laughs>
0: oh my god it's It's crazy yeah because I made the first probably 25 years of my life I had full control over that like nobody could touch me it's just crazy I mean they could but they would never know and I would just leave and so like on some level it was all ego it was all ego you remember like people used to think I didn't like them oh my god that's so true
1: because I just didn't want to let people close to me I think you didn't you didn't like him When he first met you, he was like, there's just no way she likes me. Like, I know you tell (laughs) me that she does,
0: but there's just no way. When he first met you,
1: you were like
0: 24, maybe? No, I was younger than that. Three? Yeah. Yeah, 23, probably. Yeah, so you were in
1: the, the heat of it. And then our last roommate that we lived with same thing with it like a lot of people really used to be like there's paula doesn't like me
0: Mm -hmm. Noah."
1: and i'm like of course she loves you (laughs) we all love you
0: don't think that that. fontina was my pr agent for real it was then i
1: would come back and i would be paula this is ridiculous you need to loosen up people are starting to think
0: things (laughs) and the crazy thing is that It's not how I present in situations at all anymore.
1: No. You changed. And I remember when that transitioning was happening and being like, this is crazy. Yeah. She's finally, like, becoming jello.
0: I remember KJ actually saying that I'm, like, one of the very few people that he literally has seen be, like, two different humans. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually, same (laughs) <laughs> i mean and that's a lot for yeah. like you're in my family so you know me uh-huh i think that's what makes me a good psychotherapist is because i've lived on very different sides of the human spectrum yeah and made a comeback one day we'll have to go deeper into that yeah and
1: have a full podcast episode dedicated to that paula has
0: lived many lives i have lived many lives she really has <laughs> in 30 years and i'm i realized that the heart open one is the only one that's sustainable it's the only sustainable one and I can tell you from experience because I've tried I've I've tried all the different
1: you've tried to cut
0: yourself off from
1: humans in the past and then you real you said that you're like this is you
0: tried hard and then Mm -hmm. you're like this is no way to like I can't do this I can't Mm -hmm. keep this up it's too painful it doesn't save you from anything that's the thing it doesn't. It doesn't fix anything. There is a quote about that. It's all from I think um, the guy who wrote. Why am I?
1: Oh, Michael Singer. He's like, all that does is keep the rest of the world out. It
0: doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't do anything. anything. It doesn't make life more comfortable. And the only reason we do these things is quote. Is so supposedly life can get more comfortable. That's the only reason we do it, and that's, that's why at some point, luckily I have enough intrapersonal intelligence. There's moments at which I realize, mm, this isn't working. But if the goal of me doing this is so that I'm more comfortable, it's failing. Strategy has to be re-evalu- reevaluated. It's the same thing with substances. If the goal of substances is to keep us happy, and then we take that so far, that that is how we find happiness. like It's no longer working, because now you are constantly running. And now you're enslaved to that thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why the only thing that works is sitting down and sitting with the exact thing and facing into the exact thing that you are so afraid of. You can't outrun life. You can't. Mm-mm. I've and tried. I,
1: I really do. <laughs> you've tried. I really do believe that you've if it's you got to do it in this lifetime because if not, you're going to come back and you're going to have to do it again Yeah. in your next lifetime. like You've got a, a soul contract. That you came here in this lifetime to complete whatever that was, that whatever contract that you made with yourself and to heal. And sometimes you don't do it and sometimes you do. And that's, you know, that whole like going higher into consciousness. We're going to have to have someone who is like a medium or someone who does past life regressions on this podcast. We love that stuff. Because, oh my God, I we're, love it. We're
0: reading, what's the name of the book we're reading?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Life Between Life. life. I think
1: like yeah it's basically what happens after you die but before you're born into into your next life and it's everything that we already know to be true from either reading other books or just coming through us through meditation or just like an innate knowing this stuff is real it's real I mean I don't know I can't
0: I can't say what's real and what isn't because all I've known is my all I have conscious memory of is my human experience yeah but the reincarnation theory, so far to me in this life, has been the most plausible one. It makes the most. sense. It's the only thing that kind of sits right with me, and you know, no, I, that's I, when it comes to those kind of ideologies, I'm never I don't, too rigid around it because we don't know. Same, yeah. No, I mean, you, we really don't. We really don't. Yeah, but I, I mean, I do believe that I'm my soul. What I feel is that I came here to to learn how to be more in touch with love cuz nothing else makes sense. And to me to be more in touch with love is to be more in touch with life. And to be more in touch with life means to actually let myself feel and experience the full range of emotions and experiences that I'm that are possible for me to experience while I'm on this earth. And if I try and find myself trying to run from any of it I become a slave to that running away because you can't outrun life. <laughs> That's the thing. I was so rebellious in my early 20s that I thought I could, if I fought hard enough, like I could outrun it or w- whatever. You're trying to swim upstream in the most powerful rapid.
1: Yeah. And if we were supposed to- have ever to, experienced. If we were supposed to live on a planet where we didn't have to feel, we would be on Mars or something. Earth is the school that we came to to feel the full range of emotions, to heal ourselves and to heal others by healing ourselves and by opening up our hearts.
0: And here's the thing, guys. If somebody can't handle the expression of your emotions, the only thing that that's signaling to you is that that person can't handle the feeling of their emotions. They have learned to shut down their emotions so quickly that the moment that you try to do it, they're going to try to shut yours down. You know, and maybe they did it for the sake of appearing to be like easygoing, for the sake of people pleasing, for the sake of whatever. But just don't let anybody make you believe that your emotional expression is inappropriate just because they can't sit with it. People can only go as deep with you as they have gone with themselves. Yeah. Someone said that. That one's been around for a while. That's a real one. I mean, we hope you guys are still finding ways to relate to each other out there. Yeah. And ways to keep growing on this journey despite this quarantine situation, despite this wild 2020. It's been good because while we need people
1: to relate to, how we were going about in life was very blind. So we had other
0: people to relate to. but we were doing it in a very blind way we were using each other as a substance almost yeah it it was it was like i'm gonna just a distraction a distraction escape
1: and now it's like okay we're gonna go back we're gonna sit with ourselves figure out some stuff and you have space in between hanging out with people
0: yeah and not not only that but i sprained my (laughs) freaking ankle i'm like are you kidding me now i really have to sit still there's a I like to be still and I like to take it slow but there is limits to this. Yeah. And it made me really aware I mean we are aware of this but it just really highlighted how important movement is for mental health because there there were days where I was just like I I need to get out of this house. Like I can't there's I'm getting so filled up with energy like I'm just overflowing at the leaks. Like Yeah,
1: guys, I literally saw her crawling across boulevard I'm just kidding what <laughs>
0: <laughs> could you imagine no that's how desperate she was I'm ready to run again I know I'm ready to dance yeah I was we thinking need to do a today, dance party We were playing to...
1: some dance hall music and I was like oh what I wouldn't give to be in Jamaica
0: oh my god and dance literally Jamaica on the beach <laughs> okay uh,
1: yeah well we love you guys Tune in next week
0: on Monday at EST. Yes, and be kind to yourselves out there. We love you. Bye. Bye.